now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks for checking out the year-round carnival podcast each and every Monday. Okay, it's Tuesday today. We review the best racing in Melbourne, Sydney, and wherever they are in Australia with Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals. Happy New Year to you, Vince Accardi. Happy New Year. Man, it looks like we're already in, in the middle of the year. That's <laughs> Straight back in. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We need to start the year this way. Did did, did I hear the word holiday? Ah, uh, look, I did go. <laughs> I did take the whole clan for a holiday. Yes, that's that's true, right? But you got to understand something. This yeah. was the, how the holiday was mapped. Right. At four a.m. every holiday. Yeah, at four a.m. every morning till seven a.m. I worked between. <laughs> If I was on the compounds between 12 and 2, I worked. And then every night from around 8 o'clock, as you know, there's grandkids and all that, right? Yeah. So around 11.30 at night, I worked. So, yes, I had a break in between all that, I must say, right? <laughs> it was a scattered one. But that's how my life was for seven straight days. I right. loved it. But I wanted to make sure I was at least putting in my eight hours a day, you know, like a normal person. <laughs> like a normal person. That's how you have a holiday. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah so I was it. happy about that. Oh, I know, and that means you were refreshed, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I couldn't <laughs> wait to get home. So this is our second podcast because we did our first review podcast because we did a preview podcast last Friday of Magic Millions Day Gold Coast. Wow, it was some good feels to talk about, wasn't there? Uh, yeah. Yep, <laughs> so yep, they're still yep. live on Thursday. But anyway, I <laughs> ask you this. The meeting gets called off. Let's just talk to you via your data, the numbers, 7th of uh, January, the week before, Rob Waterhouse put out a terrific tweet. If you, I recommend you follow what uh, what he put out there on Twitter. Um, he just basically said some people leaked to the newspapers because a whole lot of leaders won. The fact that they happened to be the fastest horses didn't matter. They wanted the track on a different planet. So how fast did the Gold Coast run on the 7th of January that, uh, that made all the watering uh, come out? Well, here it is. If we go through the card that day, race one, three-year-olds, they were virtually benchmark. And then as the day progressed, we sort of going up at least this, realistically around plus four to plus five range. Yep. Was, That's uh, unadjusted, right? Yeah, unadjusted, right? Yep. So that gives you some true insight about how things are. Now, if you look at the, the actual track, daily average, that was saying two lengths faster than standard, and I basically adjusted it by about two and a half. So realistically, you were looking at two and a half to four was the way the track played all day, other than the first couple of races. And one so it, was played, two it played fast. It's a summer. It's a it's a summer outdoor sport, and leaders won. Was there did was there red flags for you as far as saying, well, this is too fast? No. Well, here's the thing. Gold Coast is a very simple track. If you really look at it in a structured way, this race this track races all year round. Yep. Virtually, right? Virtually every single weekend it's racing. And I suspect, I might be wrong, but I suspect those hoses never get out, ever, right? Yep. Because how do you maintain a track all year round like that, right? It's you've got to put very, very little water on it. Now, I know there's changes and new things happening, but goodness me, what a contrast to the weekend. And, and my, my initial reaction was, and I think it's, it's always low-hanging fruit when you attack a curator, was... Hang on, you used to regularly say here on this podcast when we'd do Randwick, 
if Sydney ever got a decent run with the weather, it certainly didn't in 2022, but let's no. say prior to that, you used to say, how good is this track? It's a fast two. They don't want to call it a fast two, but let's face it, this is what a fa- track was, a fast two. So yep. what I'm saying was, Neves Randani had no problem running the running his course at, at a fast rate, so clearly there was pressure on him last Saturday. Yeah, and the pressure on him uh, demonstrates the vulnerability in the track. Yes. Like, when you have a track that's racing all year round, if the pressure's on about putting water on that, you're going to absolutely turn it into a nightmare if rain comes, right? Yep. And the rain, some rain did come. And look, for riders to say it's too dangerous and it looked extremely dangerous, man, I, I didn't even know what, what track that was anymore. I hadn't seen Gold Coast race like that for a long time, Ralphie, right, where it looked dangerous, and particularly when they're all flanking out to the very, to the extreme outside, knowing that that's the only place you want to be because the track's all chopped up. Obviously, the riders who are going there to win big prize money, the last thing they want to do is pull out, right, on a day like that. But they have no choice because their lives were genuinely at stake, and it, it was so sad to see that situation. Now, the big question is, they're going to run, is it on Thursday? Yes. Okay. I looked at YR last night. I haven't checked this morning yet, and there's scattered showers all the way through. No, nothing of any significance, nothing that you would even worry about, but given the state of that track, the way it was on the weekend, how will it repair itself? How will that come? Look, they're, going to, they're going to pull it all up, aren't they, on Thursday or Friday? Well, the, the, the tractors were originally booked for, for Monday, <laughs> so that shows you they had issues. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah. And, I, and I get it, right, because yeah. it's such a great workhorse of a track. It's good that they're doing that because it's only going to make it better because, I mean, it's been proven now the Gold Coast can have some sensational racing, and we've seen it, right? We're yep. Magnificent horses go there, huge prize money. This is the future of racing in Australia, right, where they're putting up all these big events. And I reckon it was all led by the Gold Coast. If you go back, you know, from Jerry Harvey and, and Singleton and others, they've created all this, uh, you know, super racing, I call it. And then, of course, now New South Wales have followed suit with key races in a different strategy. But the reality is there's more of this coming. So the tracks are important. But if they start throwing hoses around, right, Yep. It's not going to take much for it to be a mess, and all that big money is going to turn into, you know, really not good news. No, absolutely. All right, well, so what we're doing, on, on if you've already bought it, you don't have to do anything. If you feel like uh, having a look on Thursday, we're going to do an update podcast. You can get all our work from last Friday. We'll do an update podecast on Thursday, and that's via my website, racetrackralphie.com.au. Go to the clip preview podcast. You get Vince's daily sectionals, um, race speed profiles, and uh, and we'll do our best to update it on Thursday morning. So uh, so it's, uh, it, it's something that isn't ideal, but uh, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Let's have a look at a couple of the other stuff. States that they Vince, we always concentrate in Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, firstly, Rose Hill on the 14th, and uh, had the pl- track play with the rail out three metres. Rose Hill, yes, yes. Well, I'm, I'm so happy they, they're seeing good weather, which is important, right? Uh, very interesting on the day, track played marginally above standard around 0.49. Overall, I adjusted around 1.2 to give you some insight. I was a little bit surprised how the track ultimately played. And what I, what I noticed was there was a number of races, particularly earlier on in the day, where it looked a little bit harder to run time in the middle of the track, particularly from sort of the 
I'd call it maybe just inside the 800 to the 400. But overall, I would mark that track G3, G4 range, ultimately. We, we, so, which is a lot better than we've recently seen in Sydney. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what, what the two-year-olds doing that first uh, moderate overall time? Was there is there something in the data to say red resistance in Seal City have got more to come? Look, what I liked about that race there was this, Robbie. Their closing speeds was fantastic for 1,100-metre race. Like if you look at, let's say, those two runners that you just mentioned, both of them finished off the last 400 metres, roughly in around plus 3.9, nearly four lengths above standard. Their 200, last 200 metres were 2.6 and 2.8. Not a real good speed through the first section, almost five lengths below benchmark. But here's the thing. They actually slowed further between the eight and the four, and I felt this was to do a little bit with also how that ground must have been playing early in the day. They slowed by about three lengths, Ralphie. That's never easy for horses then to turn around and really produce massive kickdowns. So I, I even though overall three and a half lengths below standard was the you know the winner's profile and the second horse was four point three below, I suspect that they're at least two or three lengths better than that. And they give clear indications that they're going to be much better suited over longer distance, which is always important for young horses. Race two, won by Colino from last in the in the small field there. Uh, you mentioned on your race speed profiles that uh, hasn't really seen much clean ground like many horses, obviously, in New South Wales, but has some genuine closing speed. Looked like it was on show again. Uh, what uh, what the clock say? Yeah, have to be on, on that run, Ralphie. Lead speed's virtually half length below benchmark. This horse is travelling seven lengths below benchmark. Beautiful run in the mid-race, nearly a nine-length mid-race squeeze. And then the last 400 plus four, fantastic overall performance. And I felt the real exertion was all between pretty much eight to the 400 was high-powered. Good good win, even though overall 0.7 below benchmark, just outside of the top 10. I'm not uh, blaming that on the horse. I just feel that that's the way the structure of the race was. Could have easily have been better. Uh, let me ask you about Ringmaster, but not so much the horse. I want to ask you about the jockey because Brett Preble's moved up to Sydney. It's amazing these guys when they need almost like a late a challenge when they're when they're deep into their career, and he's yes. had a fantastic career, obviously not just uh, in Victoria but in in, uh, in Hong Kong for so long. He's now uh, t- teaming up with uh, with uh, the Freemans and. What I notice about him is when he's on song, he's prepared to go for home a little bit early, uh, leaving the, the horses are spent on the line and they're spent by it when they're in front. Yeah, interesting. First section, four lengths below benchmark. Modest move between the eight and the 400, but what you were touching on, it was clear evidence. Inside the 600 to the 400 to the 200 metre mark, that's when he, he applied the explosion. Yep. And that, that definitely won him the race, Ralphie. No question about that. That was the move that gave this horse victory because the squeeze overall was only 1.2. And then if you look at the second and the third horses, their mid-race squeezes were 7.6 and 9.2. That just demonstrates that tactically he got his move right through the first half, being a lot closer to the lead speed where he didn't have to overextend energy-wise. And then he did. He went for the, he went for the kill pretty much uh, inside the 400 to 200 because last 200 metres, he dropped off by around 1.2 lengths.
It's it's uh, Craig Williams is a beauty at it. <laughs> and, yep. uh, uh, there are there are several good jockeys that are prepared to do that because they back themselves. They say, "Well, I know how much the horse has got left, and I'm happy if it's tied on the line." And this horse lost one point two lengths last two hundred. It didn't matter. <laughs> it's no, got the chocolates. <laughs> that and that was the strategy of winning. Yep. What uh, what can you tell me about Hokkaido? Uh, Joe Pride's one of our favourites here. Uh, it's a, it's an emerging horse, looks like from uh, from New Zealand. They've picked up here, came from last. Cathy uh, Harris picked them off. Did nothing on on its first uh, Sydney uh, run at Ramwick on the uh, New Year's Eve, but then it was specked in the market twenty one to eleven. And it looked like it came to play. Actually, it was a really fair effort, Ralphie. There was plenty of speed in this race, 6.7 lengths above benchmark first section. And these are the sort of things with 1,300 metres, a little bit like those 1,800-metre races. They can really overreact. Yep. And to, to for me, it looked like they were thinking this is a dead set 11, 1,200-metre race, like real hard, high pressure, and that's what happened. And this particular runner, even though it was at the back of the pack, still travelling 1.6 lengths below benchmark, I reckon just... I would have to say borderline outside of the what I would consider the, the strike zone to win. So good effort. And in the mid-race, made all the move because everybody was weakening badly. And you can see the evidence too. <laughs> Over the last 400, the winner's gone 2.5 below and everybody else has gone significantly worse. So this was an indication of got they got the tactics right in the end. The horses that went fast early they don't have the capability to sustain because their their mid-race move was completely demolished so all they did was run fast for 600 meters and then it was flags up yeah um and out super wide late is that it significant at rose hill always helps yeah yeah, yep. so you can really see on your data here and you can get the data via uh, our sizzlers or dailysectionals.com.au that uh, it was the one that was improving in the mid-races. Everything else was collapsing. Correct. Yeah. Dalatart, there's a couple of these in the summer. You're just going to be careful of them, don't you, that they, they can look dominant, and they're, but they're nice, like nice wins, but nothing outstanding on the clock. And this was the case here. It's one by two and a half lengths. Had the perfect run, but it's uh, has, has just failed to break benchmark. Yeah, and, and, and this is really due to the setup through the first section, Ralphie. It's travelling five lengths below benchmark. So that's a golden position. One length below benchmark was the lead speed. This horse is tracking four lengths off that pace in a 1,200-metre race. Beautiful way to conserve energy, right, and allow for maximum efficiency. And this is what's happened. You look at the mid-race squeeze, 6.2, that's good, but a bunch of runners had to, that were from behind it had to squeeze anywhere between eight and nine and a half lengths. Now, in a 1,200-metre race, that's a fair level of exertion, and that does leave them vulnerable late. But I actually say another good ride here, Rolf, really timed to perfection, and that's why the win was so soft because the ride in terms of energy efficiency was like right on point. Clearly the strongest race of the day was race seven as far as the clock's concerned. This Maria Mia, it's a, it's a very interesting runner here. So it's a six-year-old mare trained now by Joe Pride. Joe Pride got a handy sprinter called Eduardo from a small stable in Victoria and has done amazing things with it. Well, this is his second prep with, with Maria Mia, and she has, just like Eduardo, shown talent on the 26th of November 2011. She won at Mooney Valley by seven lengths, and it wasn't just margin. It was substance on the clock, 3.3 lengths above benchmark. So she's always had a degree of talent now. She narrowly won here, but Midwest, as we know, is a, a Good horse and Spacewalk didn't have much luck, but uh, its first start gelded, so th they would be happy with its return if not the result. Yeah, and 
realistically, benchmark speed through the first section for the for the you know the the, the three hundred meters is pretty good, Ralphie. Yeah. Maria Mee is going two point three below again. You know the efficiency of a ride makes such a big difference, and even though. The horse was explosive over the last 200 metres. Just have a look at the run, though, between the six and the two. This horse, right, was actually between the 800 to the 400. It slowed, right? Oh, sorry, from the 600 to the 400, the horse had slowed about 3.9 lengths and then started to pick up momentum again and finish off very strongly. That number that you were talking about, the 3.3, I'm not sure if the horse can run to that, but what is clearly on the table here is this performance, even though it was the best of the day, 0.5 above, was well underscored because of what happened between the six and the four. Easily could go plus one and a half, two into the future. All right. So because it was best of the day, all our members will get that broken down. So we'll write that up for Sizzlers, but also best of the day gets all our members. So if you want to become a member, we are corporate bookmaker ad free. Uh, We are here thanks to our loyal people who stick with us. And every week, even through the summer when we've uh, had a few weeks off with the uh, podcast, Every week, our members got the best of the day sent to them. And from next week, we will return with our bonus podcast that will just be for Group 1 members. So uh, we'll give, always give you some bonus content uh, when the good races are around. Or maybe we might even have a look at a couple of good trialers that are coming through some of the quality uh, there. So our Group 1 members will always get a little extra bonus now that we just introduced last year. And we got some really good feedback there. So like I said, we're corporate bookmaker ad-free. We're independent. And uh, it's, we're here because of our, our members. Uh, what can you tell us about race eight here? Banjo's one. Uh, one again, this time from back in the field rather than leading. I thought to the eye, Majorati now ready. And I don't think the Waterhouse camp, by looking at the data there, would like the ride of Dylan Givens because they like him going fast and that's not what happened in up front. No, they held it up, particularly between the 8 and the 400 as well. That couldn't have been a positive either and that probably helped the winner. I mean, in terms of position in running, we're travelling two point. The leader's travelling two point one lengths below benchmark, and Banju is going six point seven below, tracking that lead speed around four and a half lengths. There it is, the horse between the eight and the four hundred. This is Major Artie slowing. This is deliberate slowing, not yep. slowing because the horse is getting tired. And the other runner, the winner, is just building momentum. And we know what happens when you build momentum. Very very hard to stop a freight train, right? When you're getting momentum, you're just going to keep getting faster and faster, particularly off a good race shape, and that's what's happened, even though, mind you, I'm saying that, right? The last 400 was a plus 1.6, but when Major Artie tried to rebound, couldn't break benchmark over the last 400. It took right until the last 200 metres for that horse to get into the positive late, and that's just a clear sign of poor energy management of the horse. Uh, we, we we pride ourselves on the work we do with our sizzlers. And, and uh, on the 24th of Rarewick, this is one we, we, we've got to pat ourselves on the back here, Vids. Irish legend, uh, one length third in race two, 0.6 lengths above benchmark rank third of the day. Importer was broken out of his minus one range with an excellent on-pace performance and a high-pressure 1800 at benchmark 78 level. 7.8 lengths above benchmark at the 800 after working to get outside the lead. P- plus one mid-race, minus 2.1 last 400 as the run told. Highly likely to get a softer tempo next start, and that can see him break through for his first local win. He won at $9. He won at $9, and well done for them to say, let's run with speed. Yep. And, not, and mind you, if I compare it to the run before, the start before at Randwick over 1,800 was 7.8 lengths above benchmark first section, right? Here, the horse is running with some speed, but it's 3.4 lengths above benchmark. That was enough 
to to crush the field, surprisingly enough, because the, the the runner that's come second, King Rattel, I don't know what they were thinking, but 8.6 lengths below benchmark, giving a 12-length head start from the 800 is never really a good thing to do, right? And even though it finished off very strongly, strongly it wasn't enough to, to get victory. And uh, again, you know, I have to give 10 out of 10 for the ride. No, no question. In the last race, uh, Johnny Allen's won with Kerouel, another of our sizzlers. There was, uh, it was second favourite because favourite in the race was Snapped. wasn't It wasn't a fun watch if you were on Snapped. No, but I love love um, Kerouel, you know, the way they rode this horse here and the way it got victory. If you compare the two horses, really, when you think about it, Ralphie, Kerouel's going 7.1 below, Snap's going 7 point. They're in the right zone given that the race shape was – virtually four and a half lengths below benchmark first section. So it was going to be all about the kick down. And generally speaking, if you have a high-powered move in the mid-race, the closer you are to the lead speed, the the advantage you would technically get. But unfortunately, when you look at the breakdown of the race, I felt that the horse that was probably more disadvantaged than any runner was the second horse. Uh, What's that? Uh, Fosanazi? How do you pronounce that, Ralphie? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that, uh, Forza, Forzanini. Yeah, Forzanini. I felt that was the runner that was probably, when I'm looking at the data, that slowdown all the way from the 600 to the 200 couldn't have been uh, a positive for the horse. And, yeah, you know, 0.5 above benchmark, top 10, it just sort of demonstrates where we're at at the moment with the number of horses, but good form is winning form. Yeah, we'll certainly see some good horses starting to emerge over the next couple of weeks. So, had Fleming to play, 38 degrees uh, day tipped. Uh, so, they moved him early. Uh, Liam O'Keefe's put some water on, but looks like it's played perfect, perfection again. Yeah, well, what do you think about the idea starting early? Well, it's it's not customer friendly. I mean, I, look, it's, and Rob Wardhouse actually touched on this. I've got to send it to you. It was, it was one of his better ads. Um, I was at Flemington, I reckon it was 2003. It was 44 degrees. Reset beat Spacecraft. So both those horses, not only this is in the Australian Guineas, and they both went on to have fantastic stud careers. So I don't think it affected either horse, did it? As Rob said, they're desert animals. Yeah, I always wondered, you know, like I understand in this modern age there's a lot of things that you have to have in check, right? And there's millions of things, right? Yeah. But in the years gone by, do you reckon they really worried about the weather? Like if I go back to 1970, do you reckon they would have changed the time because the weather was going to be, you know, 35 or 36 degrees? No, but look, I, I guess what it is, is is this. If one horse didn't cope with the weather and something bad happened and there was one horse that didn't cope just right. physically on the day and here to shock, we'll get to that. But, but yep. I think I think it's, uh, you know, in fairness to them, there's a bit of crisis management that happens now. I mean, you've got to look at to see this nup to the cup stuff that happens against the Melbourne Cup yep. and cancel culture. So I suppose they have to be seen to be doing the right right thing. Whether whether it makes any difference whatsoever to desert animals is another thing, but I, I, I dare say it's just society changing. Yeah, so. well, maybe the other thing they could have done. Yep. Because I don't know what the impact is on turnover. Maybe they drop off a race or two. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe they could have done it later, but, but yep. they obviously it was tipped to be later today. Anyway, uh, on the track, the, the track's played very well. Um, VC, I'll just pick out a couple of races here. VC, uh, I, I looked at that and thought, well, my use is you get another good one. Uh, the data overall, not overly strong, but strong late. Well, yes. You summed it up in the beginning. 2.3 lengths below benchmark overall, ranked 14th. That, that's good. 
Because, yep. you know, when you compare to all the other two-year-olds in that race, their rankings were well down. I mean, the next closest was ranked 41 in the day. So you can see there's a clear gap. Yep. So if VC continues to improve, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other runners are better. In fact, I think all the other runners are worse, yep. like significantly worse and in line with the way the grids ranked them. So that is the only runner that's got worthy of merit. And really, when you look at the breakdown of the run, it was very, very good. A little bit of soft uh, finish at the end, like dropping off about a quarter of a length, giving a, a bit of a signal that there's more improvement to come. I don't know how much more, but the reality is this horse is trending towards benchmark potentially. Which at the moment is, is good enough in the, in the crop. So yep. uh, what can you tell me about Dunkel? He, he's a bit of a head scratcher because – not overall time, and you hear Harry Coffey in his post-race interviews, which is the only time I really like hearing interviews is when, when the truth theorem comes out, as I call it. He said, this horse is just learning. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's out the back. He does, he's, not, he's not interested early. But he always finishes late, and, and Vince, at the longer trips, you've got to respect these line chasers. Yes, you do have to respect them. Ten lengths below benchmark, wow, you know, that's pretty cruisy speed. Yeah. But uh, – Credit to the horse in the mid-race, strong move, almost a 10.4 length squeeze between the 8 and the 400 and actually broke benchmark as well, which I feel is really good. And then overall, I look at the last 200 metres, one length above benchmark, sound. It was a sound performance, ranked 25 in the, you know, just sort of outside what I would have liked to see. But for 2,000 metres, that's a fair effort. Yeah. Um, t- tell me about the difference in speed in race four, Spirit Ridge. Blake Shin, he is such an asset. We're going to have some fun following him, Pitts, because he's just an, a genuine star now from his Hong Kong days. And the way he assessed the tempo and the speed of this horse from its Boxing Day brutal run was just beautiful to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, self-interest is involved. Well, of course, of course. Well, you summed it up, Ralphie. Ramwick on the 26th to 12th, there it is, going plus nine. Yep. And we turn up to Flemington. The lead speed's 5.4 lengths below, and this runner only has to travel at seven lengths below benchmark. Can you imagine how this horse must have felt? It must have dead set felt this was even slower than a jog for the horse. First 1,216 lengths slower race to race. Yep. And that gives you clear indication of how cruisy it would have been for this particular horse. And to be so close to the lead pack as well, was going to be dangerous for a lot of other horses to try and do anything. And realistically, it still wasn't the perfect ride because I have a look at the little blemish between the six and the four, giving that little indication that there could have been another half length to a length of efficiency. And that just spells for more to come. Yeah, he's an eight-year-old, but he's a third, third run uh, Annabelle Nation first stable, first prep for the stable, so going really well. Um, and we might just finish off the event. So the, the, the stakes race of the day was the Standish, race six, and there was a, a benchmark race uh, in uh, – a benchmark 78 in race eight. How much slower was the first 400, deary me? So we've got apples-to-apples comparison. Yeah, well, here we go. 6.2 lengths below benchmark snappers going. <laughs> it's like the shots. It's a mobile start. Yeah, and here we are, 0.4 above benchmark in race eight. So the, the, the benchmark horses are going 6.6 lengths faster first 400 without it going overly fast. Yeah, and that just sort of gives you the insight. It was all about tactics in that big race. Yep. Small field, tactics. No one wants to give anything away. They're all trying to stay bunched together, and it was who's going to press the trigger first. Yeah. So the triggers come on inside the 600-metre mark, and they've made it a big run. It was a big a big sprint for the last 600. And when I say big, you know, I don't want to get 
you know, like we've seen much bigger finishes than what was there, but still 4.8 above benchmark last 400 for Snapper was good. Rose Quartz did 5.6. Yeah, they all had their chances. I felt they all had their chances off that race shape. But when you go slow, very, very hard to run down the leaders, particularly when you look at the lanes, where you're coming from, Ralphie. That's so important. And, you know, if you're in lane 22, 23, 24, <laughs> like that's optimum position in terms of that, you know, where you want to be in terms of speed in the ground. And it's just so tough to make ground. Like you have to be a superior horse. No doubt. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up there. There's our there's our half hour done. Next Monday we will review highlights from Melbourne, Sydney, but also uh, you'll have had a chance to have clocked the Gold Coast meeting on this Thursday, the Magic Millions. If you want to get our final preview podcast, uh, you can do so via my website, racetrackrelfie.com.au. All of Vince Cardi's work, including his cutting edge race day product, the race speed profiles via dailysectionals.com.au. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks particularly if you are a member. <laughs>